Thank you for listening to a Wednesday night class from Christ Church of Orinoco. For more information about these classes or about Christ Church in general, visit us online at ccochurch.com. And now, here's this week's class. If you would look on the bottom of page 14, um, I would like to give you the context for these three main um, truths. Um, And again, I want to repeat to you what we are doing in the class to get your mind organized around that again. Uh, In order to be um, a growing disciple, according to some research, you want to be able to lean into Christ You want to live a word-centered life, and you want to have meaningful connections or spiritual practices in your life. And a number of years ago, I tried to simplify um, the theology so that I could wrap my mind around it and just say, I know that I'm on the right track. Because if you come to church and you keep trying to do something new and different every Sunday, off of the sermon or you come to a class and you try to do something new and different after that class, you'll you'll be very frustrated in a short amount of time. And what I wanted to do was find what I would call the organizing principles or truths by which I could take my life, take my marriage, take my family, and I could say if I could get these truths in my life, then I could take a sermon and I could take an idea from it And I could try to plug it into that central core, if you will, and then just keep moving forward with my life. And so as I looked at the scripture, I went back to statements of first importance or statements that seem to be applicable to everybody. And I whittled them down to these three. The greatest commandment, because Jesus said it was the greatest The first and second greatest commandment, and this is signified by love God and love people. And one of the elements that I would encourage you to do when you wake up in the morning, especially if you are really moving fast, is that you just take this one commandment and you say, Lord, help me to love you and help me to love people well today. That's it. And then ask him, To bring to your mind, maybe while you're driving, you know, that moment of silence and solitude, ways in which you might be able to listen better or anticipate what's going on in your day or how you might actually be a blessing to somebody. And what I want you to know when you look at this idea of the greatest commandment, I want to also give you the idea of presence. Sometimes the very best thing that that you can do is just be with somebody. So you show up. Um, You give them just a quick little phone call and say, hey, I'm thinking about you. Or you're just kind to another person. And last week, I think it was, we talked about how love God comes first because it's easier to love God than it is to love people. So what this is telling you is as you embrace your relationship with God and he rubs off on you through the word, through meditating, through silence and solitude, through focusing your mind, that actually begins to change who you are. So Christian meditation, again, is taking in the word and repeating it or thinking about it or rumbling it around in your mind. The actual word for meditate in Hebrew is the word for murmur. And usually when people would meditate, they would say the scripture under their breath. 
because just thinking it was difficult for them to stay focused. So they would repeat, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Now, I learned that that was meaning, meaningless repetition. If you would say the same thing over and over again, it becomes meaningless when it becomes meaningless. <laughs> it's not meaningless if you're connecting to that to say, Lord, I need to have this go into my life. And the number one way to have something go into your life is repetition. It's just repetition. You watch the same movies over and over again, you can say that the lines. You watch the same sporting, the same sports team over and over again. You know all the names of the teams. You know who's capable of doing what. You actually get disappointed when people don't um, play their, uh, up to their ability. We, we repeat all the time. We, we do repetition constantly. In fact, you can probably drive from church to home without really thinking about it because it's all repetition. And you're like, gosh, I didn't even think about driving through an argo. Did I drive the speed limit? No cop. Probably. That's good. You know, you just, you just zone out and you just, you, you just drive. You've done it, okay? That's what meditation does with the word of God. When we don't meditate, we don't get that same result. So under pressure, Christ should leak out. That's love God, love people. So this is the number one thing to do. Number two is the great commission. And I put this as our primary purpose. And um, evangelism scares us. But here's what I want for you to think about evangelism. When you are loving God, and you are loving people, you're going to be noticed because you're going to stick out. Your kindness, your ability to say thank you, the way that you interact with people by smiling, um, the, the sense that you give off, that you're at peace, that is noticeable to the world around you. It's really pretty amazing. And people will actually make a comment to you about that. Um, I have a friend that I do um, regular exercise with, and uh, we go to the Web City McDonald's on a regular basis, and we buy the dollar drinks after we're done because we're thirsty. And the same people are there all the time. So we walk up, and somebody who has served us before gets behind the counter and says, would you like your drinks? And we go, well, absolutely, we would like our drinks. And it's usually the same people. Today, we talked to a lady who has a tattoo on her arm. And she was telling us about that. And she said, I'm going to get Semper Fi on my other arm because my grandfather is dying. We had a conversation with a lady that serves us dollar drinks at McDonald's that was important about the love she had for her grandfather. And if she would get to see him before she died, I am a stranger to her. This is what love God and love people does. This is evangelism. This is what God intended. It's you give off the love of God to people, the, the care and the interest. It's not yelling at a street corner. That's not what he really had in mind. He had, as you are interacting with people and they get to see you and interact with you, then they're going to notice that there's really something different about you and you strike while the iron is hot. And you just recognize that people might notice you. And you can say something Christian about, you know, I'm, I'm just really doing my best to follow Jesus. And you just keep going to the same McDonald's at the same time and you see the same people. It's pretty amazing. And before you know it, you're gonna have a conversation with people, okay? That's what I want for you to think about with evangelism, with this. People have called it lifestyle evangelism. They said, as you go, what I want you to know is you cannot hide your light under a bushel. No, you can't. And this is what he's talking about. Get ready. Because when you love God, you're going to start to treat people a certain way 
And you're going to start to develop relationships with people that you just will and you will enjoy it. And as a result, it's going to be really, really cool. And then what we do is we build disciples. That's the Great Commission, is that we are going to be noticeable, but not obnoxious. We're going to be servants, but not in the way. We're going to make a compliment or we're going to notice something and we're just going to listen. We're not going to be this boisterous kind of hellfire and brimstone person. We're just going to be there as a real person who expresses a real interest in others wherever we go. And we just keep going to the same places because that's our ministry is to be a witness for who God is. That's just what we do. And then we build disciples. We just talk to people about how they can move forward. So this class is really about you building your own connections with God and you just keep moving forward. You have a bad week, you should come to church. Get refueled, get recentered, get refocused. Um, If there's something going on in your life, this is a time for you to share that with other people so that you can move forward and know that somebody really is interested in you and cares about you. Building disciples through conversation and interaction. The last one is the Ministry of Reconciliation. This one is my favorite because it's my hardest. The Ministry of Reconciliation is this last one. And this is 2 Corinthians 5, 14 through 21. You've got the verses up above. And the Ministry of Reconciliation is we're to be concerned about people's relationship with God and with others. As a result of our good relationship with God, uh, we work to help others to have the same experience. Because we are reconciled to God, we love God, we are diligent to learn how to be reconciled to others. This one is hard for me because I am not by nature a reconciler. I am a confronter by nature. If you ask me what I think, I might actually be foolish enough to just tell you. (laughs) Oops. Does this dress make me look fat? I'm foolish enough to tell you. Please don't ask me those questions. Because the answer is, why are you asking me that question? Obviously, you must feel fat or you wouldn't have asked that question. I found out that's not a really good reply. <laughs> I know, I'm just being honest here. I, I am handicapped. I, know. I am handicapped. Yeah, my wife stops asking me that question. That's really great. So we have this, we have this, yeah, we just don't. Sometimes silence is best, right? Y'all, y'all know that. I'm not really good at this but here's what okay fluffy i appreciate that squishy a soft word (laughs) i'll remember i'll try it and let you know how well that works ron said i should call you fluffy not stuffy (sighs) okay here's what i want you to see this has god's heart in it and it's hard for me it might be hard for you you are the first, I want, I want to just say this clear out. You're the first to apologize. You're the first to go. If there is somebody who's offended you, you leave your gift at the altar and you go, is what Jesus said. You're the first. You're the first to extend. Here's what I want for you to think about. As Jesus was hanging on the cross, it was like he had one hand outstretched to you. And this hand is, don't you want to be friends? Because what Christ did is he said, I'm not going to call you servants. I'm not going to call you slaves. I'm going to call you friends. From John chapter 15, friends. And this is us. When we are hurt, we still extend a hand. Is this hard for you? It's hard for me. 
when we have been maligned, when we have been misunderstood, when we think that we should have been treated better and maybe we should have. This is it. We feel the wounds of Christ. We fill up what is lacking in the wounds of Jesus in Colossians chapter one by living in a harsh world and by being misunderstood even by our family and Christian brothers and sisters. But the ministry of reconciliation says you hold out your hand and you don't take your hand. I often refer to this as leave the porch light on also. Stand there with the father looking out. This is the ministry of reconciliation. This is the reason we need each other. This is it right here. This is hard for me. I can just be honest with you. And I've seen amazing things happen. And there are times that I have seen nothing happen for a while. But if I am the first to recognize that something has gone wrong between us and I have the courage to walk up to you to say something has gone wrong and I want to own my part in what has gone wrong and I want to apologize for my part in what has gone wrong and make a sincere, real apology for what I did. Is there anybody in here that would want to turn me away? Probably not. But if I just said, oh yeah, it's not all that important. Or if I just glossed over it or I never talked about it, you would wonder because you can't be reconciled until you can talk about what's happened. You just really can't. You can be friendly, but this is, this is it right here. This is the ministry of reconciliation. And here's what I want you to know is if you're serious about this, God will give you practice. <laughs> Apologize. He'll give you practice. And, and this is where we need each other. This is where we need to go to somebody and say, I've been hurt and I need to do the right thing and I don't want to. This is where I've been hurt and I'm afraid if I talk to this person, I'm going to say a whole bunch of things that I will regret. Or this is where I might need to go with somebody else. This is where we need each other because sometimes the burden is too great. This is what friends are for. This is the ministry of reconciliation. It is all of our ministries. It's all of our ministries. And when we go and do that, I promise you, people will notice people will notice. I was working on a a lesson for something else and I ended up studying humility. And God says that he is opposed to the proud, but he will give grace to the humble and he will raise you up when it is time. If you are a minister of reconciliation, he will raise you up when it is time. You may spend a lot of time reconciling. You may spend a lot of time working with people. And at some point in time, there is this tipping point and really amazing things will happen because God is living out the ministry of Jesus, reconciling the world to himself in little bits and pieces in you to be reconciled. It is amazing. It's absolutely amazing. So these form the, the, the foundational three components. And I thought if I could do these three, I would be on the right track. So when I listen to a sermon, I listen to a sermon through the lens of love God, love people, sharing my faith, building disciples, Ministry of Reconciliation. Is there something here that I can add to that? Because that core has to be stable every single day. My marriage has improved. My relationship with my kids has improved. My leadership at the church has improved when I have those cores, especially the Ministry of Reconciliation. Because I'm not afraid of conflict, but conflict is not always what's needed. Jesus did not come with conflict. He came as a servant to offer reconciliation. 
So what I want to give you is maybe these three areas as you're looking at these discipleship areas to say, how well am I doing and how well does everything fit into these three areas? And I promise you, these three areas will change your life because God's heart is in every single one of these and God blesses what his heart is in. And as you grapple with it and grow, um, it will really produce some amazing results. So um, I want to jump down to talk just a little bit about 729. I want to give you a little devotional thought on shepherding and then let you spend some more time talking tonight um, about what you're hearing, about these three areas, and then just about shepherding. And we'll go back and um, pull apart the the text a little bit more after the sermon. You're welcome to look at it, and uh, I want to give Mark first crack at it, and then we'll, we'll develop it a little bit. But on the bottom of page number 15, these are observations taken from a book, Shepherds After My Own Heart, Pastoral Traditions and Leadership in the Bible. I don't recommend that book unless you want to drink sand. Um, it is a very dry book. I think it was somebody's doctoral dissertation, and it's written like a big old textbook. So, you know, it's the kind of stuff that I would read. It took me an entire summer to read it. Um, it is one of the most influential books on church leadership I have ever read. But it, you just have to work through. I mean, it is, it is meaty. So what I have done is I've excerpted some things that I have found extremely important. And I want to give you a snapshot of just the beginning of that. There's a lot more um, in leadership. And I may bring you some more of those next week. Um, this Number one, the leadership of Yahweh. Notice again, the covenantal word for God. Last week, I talked with you about how Yahweh is a feminine um, word, and it means um, <clears throat> that um, God saves you. Or no, I'm sorry, it means I, I am who I am, and this is about the capability of God. And um, this really lends itself to the nurturing, loving side of God. Um, that the leadership of Yahweh in the wilderness, the key element was the presence of God. That's where I get a lot of that presence. Go with me. If you can, if you're familiar with this, back to the wilderness where God led with a um, cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. Presence. There was this tangible presence. And then there was the tabernacle. And the tabernacle was in the middle of the camp. And then the entire tribe uh, would place themselves around the tabernacle. So God was always front and center. And that was the symbolism that God is with us. And when the the cloud would move and the pillar of fire would move, then they would move and follow that along. Um, if you stop and think about where the Jews were in the wilderness coming out of Egypt, they probably needed to see the power and the ability of God in miraculous ways because of what they had been exposed to in Egypt as slaves. And so God has not, never led by a, power, by, a, um, by a pillar of fire and a cloud like that ever, anywhere else in scripture, but that was his way to say the entire uh, camp can see that line going up and could see the tabernacle. And that was God saying, I am with you, I am with you, I am with you. You don't have to be afraid. And still they were afraid. If you're familiar with that, they were afraid. But his presence was the number one thing that they would actually have. His presence brought three things. And I want to give this to you devotionally tonight. If you want to be a shepherd for somebody else, again, this is me taking a look at this great big concept saying, if I could do these three things as a leader, These three things for you, three things as your friend, these would be three things that are lining up with the leadership of God in my life. Number one is protection. Um, God would protect people from dangers. This, This fits me because if you're my friend and you do something that makes me nervous, 
if you are um, having conflict in your family, if you are uh, flirting with something that's dangerous, I'm not afraid to tell you. This, this speaks my love language. I think if you love somebody, you'll protect them, even if they don't want to be protected. I mean, how many of us grew up kids and teenagers and they didn't want to be protected and we protected them anyway. And later on, they went, thank you for your help. Or you were a lot smarter than I thought you were uh, when they grew up. I mean, it's just, we, we have to do that. Parenting and leadership is not about popularity. It is about taking care of people who in the moment might be in danger. That's one of those things. So you've got that. Number two is provision. This is that idea of taking care of them in really important ways. And that whole idea of mercy fits in here. Notice we've been studying the healing of Jesus. And so in the provision in the wilderness, you have healing that takes place. Um, You have making water drinkable. You have miracles that are taking place. Um, And you'll notice that Israel doubted Yahweh as their feeder. This is the primary role of a shepherd is to feed people. So when I'm looking at this and I'm thinking, if I want to be a shepherd for my children, the primary role is not to just provide stuff for them, but to provide sustenance for their soul, who they are. In my relationship with my wife, my primary role is to find out what is really valuable and helpful for her and meet those kinds of needs deep inside of her because those will bring her nourishment and sustenance. Not what I think she needs to eat, not what I think she needs, but to learn what that actually is so that I can meet that for her. Um, The most significant food in the wilderness was the law itself. God's presence in God's ways was the most significant food. And so one of the things that I would give you is that if you're going to have a word-centered life in what I want to make sure that Christ Church, as much as we can, is a word-centered church, your sustenance will be the word of God from a spiritual standpoint. And what does that mean? How does it apply? How do we want to do that? And that will guide us as we go along. So the provision is that you're looking at taking care of physical needs. You're taking care of spiritual needs that are actually going on. And the last one is guidance. And I want you to think of coaching and mentoring. Those are our words that we have for this. Coaching and mentoring. Coaching is where you work with somebody and you help them find the specific steps because they don't know it. Mentoring means you come to me and we have a conversation and I sort of guide you along the way because you already know a lot of things. And that's the difference between the two of them. And what you will notice is that the word of God both coaches us and mentors us, is that it gives us the way to live and it encourages us by um, helping us to learn those fine nuances. So there are these um, elements. Number one, the first root implies gentle leading, being led by quiet waters, gentle leading. Um, here's what I want for you to know. I've, I've had to work on gentleness also, as you can imagine. Um, I'm really good, like a bull in a giant closet, just telling you what I think. Let me tell you what gentleness does. And when I finally figured this out, it was a lot easier for me. If you want to reach the heart of another person for anything at all, you have to be non-threatening. You have to be for that person. For that person to unlock the door And to open up the door and trust, you have to be non-threatening. And the way that you're non-threatening is that you're gentle. You're gentle with them. You hold them carefully. You hold their experience carefully. You let them know that you really care about them. You give them words of affirmation for the process that they're in. And what happens is over time, they believe that gentleness is your character. I want to take you to Matthew chapter 11. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. 
for I am gentle and meek, humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. The very core of Jesus in a broken world is the ability to come to him with what troubles us, the very core. And I thought, if I want to be like him, that has to be my core. That has to be my core. Jesus could clear the temple with a whip. That was not his core. His core was, come to me and I am gentle and meek and you will find rest for your soul. So one of my goals, if I could be honest with you, is if you interact with me, I want you to find rest for your soul. If you want to take me on, that won't be pretty because I might take the bait. But, I mean, you know how that is. But if we can get there to find rest, do people find rest when they interact with you? That's the question. Or do you get suckered into a conflict? So that's this, this first one, implies gentle leading. Second is it denotes an orderly conducting of an animal or a group of animals or people. You get them where they need to go in a way that's best for them. This is often what we think of as leadership is, well, how are we going to organize our family? How are we going to organize our church? How are we going to organize our school? How am I going to get, if I'm a bus driver, how am I going to organize my bus so everybody gets there and off just okay? Um, what, what is the organization way of doing this? So if we can do that in gentleness, so to speak, and not be yelling at people and, and kind of forcing them to do things, we can move them from one place to another really, really well. Um, the third route for this idea of guidance means to lead or guide, direct the movements of others, implying leadership and rulership. Um, personal guidance was the obvious implication of the desert pillars. Um, this describes the leadership of uh, God's leadership of the people through his chosen servants after emphasizing a divinely chosen course. So I want to think of moms and dads as this. Leadership in a person to get you moving. Leadership in an organization to get you moving. God's leadership in Christ to get us moving. The leadership of the Holy Spirit to get us moving. Uh, the very last one uh, of that particular element, number three, says the verb often reflects the capacity by which a capable visionary leader guides a group toward its destiny. I like that. Destiny. I view that as a preacher or a minister or somebody well-versed in the word. Guide you to your destiny as a child of God. That's really cool. That's why we open up the word and we all study the word and we want the word to be our guide. Um, and then this last one, it says, uh, there's a note that Numbers 14, 40 through 45 demonstrates not only the tendency to resist the plan of God, but the necessity of moving in accordance to his timing is that there is a hesitancy that resides in us. And we just have to acknowledge that. And remember, Corey Ten Boom is the one who said God is um, never on time, but he's very seldom late. There's this timing issue that we have to deal with in God's timing. For Shepherd, here's what I want for you to think about. If you really, truly want to be like God, you have to be a shepherd. That is the leadership motif. Because I promise you, you are leading somebody somewhere. You're leading somebody somewhere. Your influence is impacting somebody somewhere. I, it would be very rare that it did not. Whether it's in the workplace, whether it's at home, whether it's with friends, whether it's a conversation somewhere, these areas of protection, provision, and guidance um, create the foundation for why you are attractive to people. And if you love God and love people and you do these kinds of things, people will be drawn to you because you're gentle and they can talk to you 
and you can point them in the right direction and you can have a conversation with them and it's safe to do that, safe. And as a result, you will have a meaningful ministry, um, which is the priesthood of all believers, where God needs you to go do that. So here's where we are tonight as I want to draw this to a close for you to talk about it. Um, You can take these three pillars and you can organize your life around them and then ask yourself, can I express them like a shepherd? Can I express them to care for people? Can I express them to lead people? Can I express them to provide for people? And here's what I want you to know from my experience. And perhaps you can talk about this. This is too much for me to do. If you're looking at this like, oh, wow, here's what I want you to know. God gives us these elements. And then he says, for you to accomplish them, I need to be a part of it. I, God, need to be a part of you doing this because I know it's too much for you. Life will happen too fast. You might be like me and fall into an old habit. Mine might be impatience. It shows up as tone. People hate tone. It might show up as not being gentle and I'm too direct and people want to, to know that it's safe and my too directness doesn't feel safe even though I want them to feel safe. You know, some, somehow it just gets all gooped up and I need the Holy Spirit in my life to put all of these things together in some amazing way to show me he's real. I need an impossible task so I know God is real. Can I just say it like that? I need to be asked to do something I cannot do to demonstrate to me over and over again that God is real because only he can do that. That's exciting. When people say, why are you a Christian? One of my answers is, because I just can't do it. (laughs) I cannot do it. And there is something that is mysterious and amazing. When you take these truths and put them together and recognize your limitation and invite God in, he will show you how it works. And I want a God that's alive and powerful and real to change my life and change a community. That's what I want. And he shows up in these things. So as you think about it, these are elements to take in silence and solitude, pray about them, talk about them, maybe even do the Lectio Divina on them, to, to chew on them a little bit. I mean, I've been chewing on them for years. I would invite you to meditate and chew on them with me. How's it going? What do you want to see happen in your life? And not to be frustrated if it's too much. And just keep asking God to show you how it works. What I'd like to do is give you some time until eight o'clock tonight to talk about it. It's uh, 7.43. We'll have a little bit extra time. I want to pray for us at eight o'clock at the end and then um, just send you out. And if you would talk a little bit about what you're thinking, what you're learning, what's easy, what's difficult, anything you want to talk about, that would be great. Um, And then I'll call time uh, right at eight o'clock and uh, pray when when I get back up here. It's 8 o'clock. Let's close out with a word of prayer and uh, we can hang out and visit a little bit if you'd like to. Lord, we thank you for your word, for the richness that it brings to our lives, for the direction that it has. We are grateful that the Holy Spirit uh, empowers the word and allows for it to really ring true in our lives. Lord, as your disciples, we really want to grow to have these truths that we're studying live in our lives, that other people just might notice that you are alive and well, and that we would be able to talk with them about our faith in you. Because they too, many of them, 
really want to serve or know a God who really loves and cares about them and they're just not really sure there is one or they're not sure that you are one. So we pray that you will help for us to be good witnesses. You will help for us to really love you and love people. We pray that you will help for us to be involved in this ministry of reconciliation uh, in ways that are really helpful and that as we take these three big truths and wrap them around what it means to be a shepherd, you would help for us to protect and provide and guide that your name would be proclaimed loudly. People would be well served when they interact with us and that in the end, we would really see your hand at work, strengthening the body, encouraging us and growing your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to a Wednesday night class from Christ Church of Orinoco. For more information about these classes or about Christ Church in general, visit us online at ccochurch.com.